Learn more about the albums you love with Dissect, a music analysis podcast hosted by me, Cole Kushner, a lifelong musician. Each season of Dissect dives deep into one album, examining the music, lyrics, and meaning of one song per episode. We've covered albums by Kendrick Lamar, Tyler the Creator, Frank Ocean, just to name a few, and our brand new season just launched all about Radiohead's 2007 masterpiece, In Rainbows. Listen to Dissect on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, because great art deserves more than a swipe. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. 24 question party people. 24 Hello and welcome to 24 Question Party People. I am your host, Yasi Salek. This is a show where I invite an interesting person on for a little talk. I ask the same 23 questions every time, more or less, plus one wild card. The guest is allowed to skip one question. Sometimes the questions change a little. New Year, same old me. Happy New Year, you guys. Happy New Year. Um, I was going to say bonge, but honestly, I'm not feeling very bonge right now at this moment. Uh, in January, you know, sometimes I struggle with how transparent to be in these intros. Um, you guys are like, do you? But like in general, in life, whatever, some of us are old enough to have suffered the indignities of the live journal, blogger, um, prostitute, your most personal feelings on the internet in service of, in service of what? I don't know, getting an audience, feeling seen, likes, um, Sometimes I think we've partially course corrected on that, but honestly, I really don't know. Maybe that's like very much still the vibe. Um, I've always been sort of an open booky type of person, uh, for better or for worse, whether that's admirable or pathological, I'm not sure. Um, maybe a little column A, a little column B. Um, but anyway, as some of you guys know, I adopted a dog in the beginning of December, Lou Reed Barlow Salek. Um, when I adopted her, she was recovering from pneumonia, but she was like very much on the mend, totally healthy, a couple more days of meds, had a lingering cough and that's it. But without getting too in the weeds here and detailed Mark Marin animal, you know, illness, violating HIPAA, 
Um, do dogs have HIPAA? I don't know. Um, she's actually much sicker than anyone knew with something totally unrelated to the cough. And it's, um, it's unclear if she's going to get better or not. I'm hoping for the best. Um, but it's been extremely hard. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I, yeah, I don't know. It's just been hard. Some of you are like, babe, what your chicken soup for the soul ass bullshit are you on about? I came here to hear Orville Peck. And you know what? I get it, queen. Skip on ahead. Hit that fast forward. Um, I know this is a monologue and not a pity party per se, but you know, also I already threw myself a pity rager in the first few days, just full woe is me hours. Why me? Terminal uniqueness, the whole fucking shebang. But the pity party is over, babe. Um, I'm still a little hungover from it, uh, but I'm just, you know, real one day at a time, one hour at a time, one minute at a time over here and trying to just get on through keep head up, keep positive. Um, yeah, it's a whole thing. I did. That's not really what I want to talk about. Um, what I really want to talk about here was like something much more buoyant and fun and new year and like new you and let's, let's inspire, but no, sorry, other plans. What I'm going to talk about is asking for help. I have a really, really, really hard time with this. Do you guys... Do you guys know how to do this? Do you guys know how to ask for help? Um, can you bang my line with some tips? Like, what do you even do? Like, you just call someone and say, I need help. That's what you do. Um, my methods are more like ordering 35 things from the Amazon store of the Ohio-based Lebanese TikTok influencer I follow. You know, like cool water bottle, some hair oil. Uh, I got one of those, you know, hair massagers that's mechanical, like battery operated. Can't wait to use that bad boy. Um, what else? Going on long, meandering, manic walks. Um, maybe patronizing Taco Bell too much. It's very much like that meme with the man and the butterfly. Like, is this coping? But asking for help, mm, I don't know her. It, it's like advanced trigonometry for me. Like not only is it extremely difficult, I literally don't even know like what I'm looking at here. I don't know where to begin. Like again, so you just like pick up the phone and say, I need help. But like what kind of help? Like I don't really need physical help, right? I'm very strong as some of you might know from my weightlifting. <laughs> That's right. I lift, bro. Um, which makes carrying an immobile 35 pound dog from room to room much easier getting an extra workout. So my abs are going to be popping. Like it's not that kind of help, right? I mean, some of my friends have just instinctively known what I needed, which sometimes I don't even know what I need, but you know, I don't know, just being checked in on, right? Just like a text that says, is everything okay? even if everything is very much not okay. I am not crying. You guys are going to be like, oh, the fucking performativeness on this bitch. But the truth is I wish, I wish I hung cry on command. I'd be out there acting, making the big bucks. Um, I just absolutely have no other time to record this intro because as usual, I waited to the very last minute and the editor is like, TikTok bitch, get it in. 
Um, but yeah, just, just being checked in on or like, you know, a little bit advanced level, like someone coming over and just sitting for a couple of hours is super fucking nice. And, you know, some of my friends have just done that and I'm so grateful for that. And also I'm trying to learn how to ask for those kinds of things because I don't expect people to be literal fucking Miss Cleo psychics or to like read my mind or to be like spending their whole day preoccupied with what I'm going through and feeling as everyone does have their own fucking bitch of a life to deal with. Um, but yeah, I haven't quite gotten there yet. Also, I did just want to say that I am so moved and touched by your guys's messages in my DMs. Um, even if I sometimes don't open them to respond, I do read them and they really are so sweet and mean a lot to me. And I just wanted to say thank you for sending those. Um, this was, again, supposed to be a very different kind of New Year intro. But you know what? Life, it is a highway. And sometimes a real fucking bitch, to be honest. Um, so that was the intro we got. This interview with Orville Peck was actually... Um, is the first interview I ever did for this show. It was done in like April of 2023. It was the pilot episode of this show. Um, Orville is an old, really close, really dear friend of mine. And also my most famous close dear friend that I could ask to please do the pilot for me so I could really impress the big brass around here and get the show greenlit. And not only did he enthusiastically say yes, he was just awesome. He was a great interview. He said the loveliest things. He gave me his time. I feel really grateful. I mean, I guess I do. I do sometimes know how to ask for help. I'm just really lucky to have friends like him and all of my friends who show up. Um, anyway, here's my interview with Orville Peck. I hope you enjoy it. 24 is masked cowboy country superstar, Orville Peck. Hello. Welcome to the show, Orville. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I'm so pleased that you're here. I'm very pleased to be here. Should we just fucking let's go? Let's fucking get into it? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm, I'm planning on not skipping anything, by the way. Wow. Oh, you're like, you're like, oh, really? Don't threaten me with a fucking good time. I can answer every one of these. Yeah. I like a challenge. All right. Well, the first one is not hard. What is your sign? I am a Capricorn sun. You know all your... <laughs> the girls and the gays know all well, I know like I know like the basic yeah. three. No, I know the basic what three. Um, but that's the thing is like in LA, especially now, everyone's like, what's your Mercury? What's your... I'm like, I have no fucking idea, girl. I'm like, <laughs> I'm a Capricorn sun. I'm a Leo moon. Surprise, surprise. And, um, <laughs> and I'm a, a Pisces rising. I mean, that's a crazy combo because you're like... Mr. Hardworking, but then you're like, Ms. Look at me. And then you're like, yeah. I'm really emotional in between the two of them. Yeah. And I think it makes for a very, very beautiful person. <laughs> I think it makes for a gorgeous and perfect person. I mean, it does, it is kind of like an ideal set of placements for a successful entertainer, an artist. Yeah. I mean, I, I 
Well, wait, you're a Taurus. What are your, what's your moon and rising? Um, I'm a Taurus rising and a Aries moon, which is why I'm mentally ill. That's my mentally ill. Placement. So you're double Taurus? Double Taurus. That's called, we don't, we don't leave the house, babe. <laughs> That's the shut-in. <laughs> That's the shut-in placement. That's a sweatpants. <laughs> the sweatpants placement. So it's like when the, when the sun part of your Taurus is like, maybe we'll go out. Then the next one's like, no, we're not going. Yeah, absolutely not, bitch. Fucking fire <laughs> up the Netflix. We're not going anywhere. And then my Aries moon is like, text him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not okay, it's cute. not good um okay question number two what did you eat today i haven't eaten anything yet today i had iced coffee are you an intermittent fasting girly <laughs> i'm not but when i have something work related to do you know like sort of in the morning or the first half of the day i mean now that i'm saying it it sounds like something like i should eat <laughs> like, don't and, you like, need do like something. some like, brain power? <laughs> yeah, like to get my brain working. But I usually, uh, I'm like just focused on doing that. And I mean, especially this morning, it's like you know, technical stuff, like like that sure. kind of thing. So I haven't eaten yet, but I'll eat right after. I don't know what I'll have. Though. You had the gay Gatorade, which is iced coffee. Yes, exactly. I drink <laughs> a big thing of iced coffee just to help my nerves feel completely shredded right. just to completely actually like shred out your adrenals so you come here fully ready to party yeah exactly you were nervous about this interview because you know i'm a I'm tough terrified. i'm a tough journalist i know it's like it's like barbara walters <laughs> um okay have you listened to any music today and if so what was it i haven't listened to any music yet today Are you so you've just been sitting in silence chugging iced coffee, <laughs> eating nothing, oh stressing yourself out. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really painting the picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the first time I listen to music in the day generally is like uh, when I'm like getting my car for the first time, I think. Okay, okay. Like I'm not really like a put on music at my ha and when I wake up kind of person. I, w I think that would be cute though. I used to be that way. I used to be very like Cher Horowitz, like, you know, put oh, on like totally. perfect day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what mine was <laughs> for years, honestly, to the point that when the Spotify wrapped for like the decade came out, my number one most listened to song of the decade was Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. And I was like, absolute, absolute wellness check, babe. I'm surprised the mental health <laughs> authorities weren't alerted by wrapped to come to my home and take me away. You know what the crazy thing about Carly Rae Jepsen fans? I don't know if they're going to come for me for this, but I feel like their fandom is about dragging her. Oh, that's you know that's I mean? a interesting. So my fandom's a little bit like that. Yeah, like my they're sort of my like a, no, no, or like Trixie's fandom is like that too. Like you know, like Trixie Mattel, like her fans would be like, "Shut up, you bald bitch!" And I'm like, <laughs> "Whoa!" Like, but that's like her biggest fan saying that. Does she love that or she hates it? Oh, she loves it. Okay. It couldn't be me. I'm so sensitive. <laughs> Absolutely. If someone says literally like something slightly critical, it's not even like not even actually critical, but something like that maybe misinterpreted by me as critical, I'll probably cry. But then it depends. Some yeah. days, some days I'm like fully in my like who the fuck cares bitch. And I'm like, you know what? You don't want to fucking, I don't care. Don't listen then. Fuck off. It doesn't come out often, but I have the capacity to make very, um, you know, witty, hurtful comebacks. Sure. <laughs> I, you, you might have experienced some of my more witty and hurtful comebacks. <laughs> but like sometimes online, there have been moments where I've been like kind of dying to clap back with one. And then I hold back and I don't. 
So again, to recap, you've sat in silence, you've drank a gallon of iced coffee, you are ready to go into more questions. Next question. What is the, what is the first song that made an impact on you as a child? There's sort of a few I can think of. Is it like the, it's a South African na- national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, perhaps. No, I would, you know what? Honestly, the one that I think comes to mind, and it's so funny because all the ones like I can think of, they're very like emo or into, but like Tracy Chapman, Fast Car. Oh, fuck yeah. I bitch. used to listen to that <laughs> so much. You know, there was, a, there was like a tweet or a meme or something I saw going around like a while back that said like, you know, uh, rewinding to the sad part of the song because it didn't make me feel hurt enough or whatever. Like, (laughs) like that is me as a kid, like listening to Tracy Chapman, fast car, like embodying the life of that character that I work at the market as a checkout girl. You literally had absolutely the most dramatic nine-year-old child, like kneeling next to a window, staring out, being like, yes, I know exactly what it is to work at the market as a checkout girl. Try to save just Wishing a little for bit a of better money. Life. <laughs> we don't have to go too far. Just cross the border and into the city. <laughs> We can both get jobs. Finally see what it means to be living. No, that was uh, definitely one of them. And I mean, are we surprised though? Not even a little bit, babe. Not even a little bit. (laughs) But you literally were like, I know exactly what this woman is going through. Yeah. I was like, and in fact, maybe I've been through worse probably is what I thought. (laughs) It is kind of insane when you think of like how much we were molded and listening to these like songs through our like preteen and teenage years that absolutely we didn't have the fucking first foggiest clue what they were about or had any experience in that. I mean, I feel like I absolutely did a talent show like performance in middle school to the song um, Uchi Walla Walla by QB's Finest, which... (laughs) What administration and teacher allowed that to happen for, like, 12-year-old girls? And it was just, like, uchi walla walla, uchi bang bang. I'm 12, babe. I haven't had my first kiss yet. What are we even talking about here? That is kind of the beautiful thing, though. Like, that's like I look at my niece, Daisy, who's six. Yeah. And, like, she she likes the craziest music, and which is, she has like, re- likes really cool music and stuff. But she'll be, like, singing Guns N' Roses lyrics. And I'm like, this is nuts. This is not I went to a bar mitzvah years ago, which are really a good time if you ever have the opportunity for my Oh, yeah, are you, I've been to, I mean, I'm not Jewish, but I grew up with a lot of Jewish people. I went yeah. to so many bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. There's a specific kind of DJ that, like, seems to only DJ the bar mitzvah circuit. And this man literally put on from the window to the wall. From the window to the wall. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Not the clean version, babe. <laughs> the full unedited explicit version. And there's just a sea of 12 and 13-year-olds being like, till the sweat drip down my balls. Oh, and I was like, what the f- I feel like I'm on drugs. This is crazy. Yeah, but I mean, the like, like. Kids today. <laughs> Do you feel Must like be crazy. Fa- Fast Car, besides giving you the opportunity to like live the drama, um, impacted you musically in any way? Like in your like love of any sort of like musical part of that song? Definitely. I think that whole era of like Lilith Faircore. Yeah, and just like I mean, you know, I have very like you. I've got very um, varied, wild musical tastes, and I think there's like there was a sort of drama and like 
almost like a kind of like specific structure to that sort of era of nineties alternative esque big power ballady kind of music or whatever. I mean, I'm even thinking about like moments in like, you know, melancholy era smashing pumpkins, even though that's like totally different, but like the structure of that sort of like another messy bitch who lives for drama fully. I mean, I can remember being a little like another song I was going to say was literally like, um, tonight, tonight, which is not even one of my favorite smashing pumpkin songs now, but as a kid, like the drama of the strings and like the, you know, there's kind of like the breakdown in the middle and then it's even bigger. Like that sort of structure was sort of big in a lot of nineties dramatic music. And I, I mean, I, I definitely do that in a lot of my songs, that sort of structure for sure. That was imprinted in your DNA. This is what people yeah. don't know about you, that you've always been a theater kid. <laughs> since Yeah. A hundred percent. Theater. Well, I was gay, you know, but I'm always honest about that. I feel like people are always thinking that they like are catching. It's like, I was, I talk about it in every interview. I'm like, I was yeah. a dancer. I was an actor. I played in punk, punk bands. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, look at me, like, obviously, hello. Like, <laughs> but I just like performing and I, you know, I've just always liked performing. So sue me. Yeah, me too. I just like attention, actually. <laughs> if we're being honest, I don't want to do the hard part, which is like the performance part. I just want the attention, which is why I'm a podcaster. <laughs> It's the lowest form of entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) I think I like attention and then when I, and I crave it. And then when I get it, I hate it. Yeah. You're like the classic, like, look at me. Don't look at me. (laughs) Yeah. Like I literally will have to post something on social media and I'll be so disgusted at having to look at myself on camera. I'm like, why did I even do this? Like, (laughs) that's why you, you're brilliant. The most brilliant person that you instituted this mask policy from day one. Mm -hmm. Absolute Mm -hmm. visionary, babe. Visionary behavior. Yep. Thank you. The thing is, though, I must say, the mask, it's a double-edged sword because, and it might work for an uggo, honestly, in a really better way, but you're like a gorgeous person. (laughs) And it's actually (laughs) the amount of like strength that it would take me to be as hot as you are and then hide that under a mask. Like you're like, you should win some sort of like Nobel Peace Prize. It's like you're like Nelson Mandela. (laughs) You're stupid. Um, yeah. I'm going to not comment on that. But thank you. Next question. Listen, I will. Yeah, next question. But I will accept to know about Peace Prize if they're giving it. If they're handing those out, babe. I'll take yeah. one. Um, okay. What's the first album you bought with your own money or shoplifted with your own two hands? Um, it was bought with my own money and it was Patti Smith Horses. Fuck, that's such a cool answer. It was, I mean, yeah, it's a pretty cool answer. It was on, it was a CD. I can't remember what the store was. It must have been like an HMV or something. But yeah, it was a CD of of horses. Who? Okay, I'm sorry. Not to be rude, and I'm not going to out your age, because if we're being frank, I don't remember how old you are. Um, I know that you're younger than me. I'm 23. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, not that big of a laugh. Anyway, yeah. Okay, so... But regardless, like in no universe were you, the horses came out in this like late seventies. So like, yeah. how did you get, how did you find, like who told you about Patti Smith? Like what was your journey to getting to go buy this CD? So I, I grew up with two older brothers yeah, and yeah. who, you know, and, um, they were sort of my, a lot of my music inspiration and kind of like, you know, when I was little, I would. I would come home first. My mom would like pick me up and my brothers were obviously being like, you know, high school or whatever it is. So they'd go come home later. So I'd go in their rooms and I'd like take CDs from their room and I'd like just mm-hmm. listen to whatever they had. 
and I didn't really have a reference for what it was or whatever. Yeah. So I grew up very young, listening to so much, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, like, like I would take like my brother's, my one brother's like white zombie CD. And then my other brother's like, you know, there was a lot of alternative and that kind of stuff. And then, so I always loved, and in my house always had an appreciation for like punk and alternative and grunge and that whole side of things. And then of course I had like the, the kind of like more country music side of things from my mom and like, you know, Dolly Parton and more sort of like South African folk music and that kind of stuff. And then from my dad, it was more like seventies, like glam rock and, you know, kind of classic rock. So I grew up with all of these interests. And then when I was about 14, uh, Andrea, who's a friend of mine, who you also know, uh, we were friends since we were very young and she, I think she sort of introduced me to Patti Smith and I just, I was like a big fan of poetry when I was a kid too. Sure. <laughs> just, just, just gazing wistfully out of the window, listening to Fast Car, yeah. writing in your little <laughs> journal, your poems. <laughs> 100%. And so like, struggle. I think when I first heard Patti Smith, I remember thinking like, I'd never really heard an artist, you know, like I think of like, like the song Babylog or like mm -hmm. something. It's like, I'd never heard someone do sort of like this, train of conscious sort of like rimbo esque poetry as a singer i just didn't yeah. know you could really mix those two things and so i was really intrigued by it so yeah i bought horses which is still uh one of my all-time favorite album i think free money has got to be like one of my top 10 favorite songs of all time did you name your album bronco because of horses well this is what <laughs> is so funny is actually because i always I always like kind of, whenever I get asked about my top favorite albums, I always say horses is one of them. And then someone pointed out to me, they're like, is that why all your albums <laughs> are, horse titles? are named after horses? And I was like, fuck, I didn't really think of that, but may maybe, <laughs> I didn't, it's not, it's not purposeful. Your next album is Secretariat or <laughs> whatever. <was it? laughs> that one's free, baby. You can have it. I won't well, even that's always, our, that's always <laughs> our joke with my band is we're like, um, cause I mean, I've, I've pretty much solidified the theme now with like three in a row. Right. So then, but then we joke, I'm going to do like a gospel album and call it Pegasus. Um, I'll do like a Gregorian chant album and call it like Equus. <laughs> Not Equus. I'm like fucking passed away. Equus. Bye. Goodbye. Okay. Speaking of your, um, wistful, dramatic, difficult, emotional childhood, did anyone in your childhood ever tell you something like, Oh, really? You're never going to fucking make it in showbiz, babe. So just like lose that dream like they do in the movies. And if so, who was it? And what did you say to them? <laughs> like, this is my chance for like calling them out. Like, <laughs> That's right. Like, you're like, Well, Mr. Fucking Brown, bitch, look at me. Yeah. I mean, not to get like, it, I mean, it, like, for, but I think as a queer person, as a gay child, like you kind of encounter that a lot even if it's sort of in a microaggression right. sort of way, I think, I think a lot of times, not with, not my family was always like very supportive and very encouraging. So I had that, like, they kind of made me feel like I could do anything and I wouldn't like, there was no limit, but yeah, 100%. I mean, people in school, uh, teachers, even this kind of, I think when you're sort of a, a gay kid and especially me, like I was always sort of like myself, I was never like closeted really or anything like that. I think a lot of those a lot of those figures sort of write you off because they've already decided like right. who you are and what you're going to be. And they start, they almost decide that in their head. So I think, and I was the kind of person and I'm still that kind of person where, you know, I'm like, if I'm going to do something, if you tell me I can't do it, not only does that make me want to do it more, but now I want to do it like better mm -hmm. than anybody Typical. else. 
And so I think in a way, like that sort of general attitude towards me as a gay kid, like definitely fueled my ambition for sure. But yeah, I definitely, I can't think of specific, I mean, multiple, I think as a gay kid or someone that's sort of marginalized, you encounter that a lot, even if people don't realize that they're doing it like maliciously, I think people write you off because they've decided like what your path is already. Wow. That's, that's actually like a really profound answer. I wasn't expecting. Well, that's what listening to fast car when you're uh, nine years old. Is <laughs> it's more that I was just like, he's, he's so hot. He can't possibly have smart or profound things to say, but here you are proving people wrong. Well, that's what I'm here to do. I'm, I'm breaking down. I'm breaking down the very presumptuous barriers of beautiful people. Okay, that's my- <laughs> <laughs> beautiful people. <laughs> They've been othered for too long. <laughs> you showed that bitch. You were like, I was hot and gay, and look what I did. I achieved something. <laughs> um, okay, when was the last time that you lied? I don't. I mean, I will say this. I mean, don't fucking tell me I don't lie. I will. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't. It's not that I don't lie. Okay. I think I think about lying more than I end up lying, if that makes sense. Because my problem is I am a bad liar. (laughs) I thought you were an actor. (laughs) But like, my problem is, is like, I don't, I'm someone who. I don't think I could live with the guilt of telling like a proper lie. I mean, if you're talking like a lie where I'm just like, you know, make up an excuse for not wanting to like go to someone's event or something like, I don't know. That's like every now and then for sure. If you're talking about like a proper lie, but I don't think of that as a lie really. If we, you know, if that's where you, if, if we're talking that, I would say like, you know, probably recently. <laughs> like um, Now we're parsing into your morality. Like what, what is a lie? Well, just because, that? you know, like sometimes you wake up and it's like, you're tired and you're feeling like not, your best and you don't want to and you just want to say to someone like hey yeah you know sorry i actually can't make it because of blah 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 not because you want to say like look i've been hung over for two days in a row and whatever there's there's only certain people that you can just be like i'm so sorry i just don't want to come and they're like say no more 100 percent. and like most that's like your inner circle close people and then everyone else unfortunately you do have to manufacture something that it that's like a white lie to not hurt people's feelings obviously yeah like that's my thing is like i feel like i do sort of like that kind of lying you know when needed like when you were like i'm so excited to come on your new podcast <laughs> no that was the truth but that's the thing is that like, was when i tapped into my uh theater school <laughs> background <laughs> <laughs> no but like big lying i'm not good at because not that i've never done it but i don't i can't live with the guilt of it i'm right. awful it eats away at me and yeah. i think i'm just bad at it so i don't i honestly prefer i'm someone who like even when it's scary for me i do prefer to kind of be honest about stuff I've learned for me to me. Gorgeous, talented, ethical. What else do you fucking people want from this man? That's okay. what I'm saying. <laughs> give me that. Um, um, give me that Nobel Peace Prize. It's honestly coming to you for just for the at least a Pulitzer. What do they give? What is the Pulitzer for? I think it's for um, writing journalism. a book. Writing a book. <laughs> Journal- no, no, oh, I think okay. it's journalism. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it's for, but I want one of those too. Me, I'm smooth brained, as you know, so. Couldn't tell you, babe. Couldn't tell you. None of my business because I'm never getting one. They're not going to give me a fucking Pulitzer for doing a five-hour podcast on The Cure. It's not happening. It might. You'd never say never. For me being like, this song fucks. Pulitzer. (laughs) 24. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 
miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. character in a book or film, speaking of books and films, what character in a book or film do you relate to the most and why? Um, I mean, well, there's like, I, I'm thinking so hard. I can sort of answer it generally. I think the reason I liked Cowboys when I was a kid, especially like, you know, the Lone Ranger or Cheyenne or, you know, cowboy figures like Indiana Jones is like, I think when I was little feeling that way, we were kind of talking about before being sort of like, marginalized as a gay kid Mm -hmm. i think a lot of times especially when i was younger people who were sort of different and ostracized like oftentimes were sort of the villain in things Mm. or maybe they were like that was like their weakness in the storyline or whatever and i think the thing that's cool about the, the sort of mythical figure of the cowboy if you if you if you will like is that in those stories they are sort of ostracized and sort of on the outside of things and sort of different, but they're also the hero of the story. And that mm-hmm. actually is what kind of gives them their power in a way. And I think seeing that those sort of solitary, different people would like roll into town and everyone's sort of like, but that was kind of like, I guess like the idea of the anti-hero, mm-hmm. I suppose, or something, but like, you're the problem. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Um, no, but I think the, that, I related to that because I always felt like I knew I was different, not even just because I was gay, but because I was like a weirdo. Because and you were annoying. <laughs> yeah, because I was just like a creative, <laughs> you know, I was just like a creative little weird kid. And like, yeah. I think I, I didn't even, for many years, I didn't even feel like I fit into the gay community. You know right. what I mean? And so like, I think sort of relating to the cowboy figure in that way. I I mean, I know it sounds sort of like wanky, but just subconsciously, I think I liked that those characters because I think they felt cool and safe to me. And I could relate that they were like different, but it was a positive sort of um, representation of someone who was different, I suppose. The positive representation of the outsider. That's a a really good answer. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good answer. Damn. Thank you. I would have said something stupid like, Winona Ryder in reality plays and I would have had literally nothing good to back up except that like 
I too am seeking a creative life and I too have a proclivity towards dating <laughs> guys who are yeah. underachievers and emotionally unavailable. Exactly. What if I was just like, oh, you know, like Parker Posey and Party Girl. Like I just said something like fully Literally, like. I too would date the falafel guy. <laughs> like this is. Amazing. This is my journey. Um, okay. Who is the last person you met that you were starstruck by now that you're famous? <laughs> now that you're famous and you're hobnobbing with other famouses. Uh, well, there's just, there's so many. <laughs> um, no, honestly, the the nice thing is, is it's like, I think most of the time I meet people I'm, I've been lucky where most of the time they're very, they exceed your expectations and you just feel, they make you feel comfortable and so right. that you don't get that way. But honestly, when I met Willie Nelson yeah, that's a big last one. year, that was like, William. William. yeah, it was such a crazy lead up as well because I had heard he was a fan of mine. And I think my sort of like lingering imposter syndrome is whenever anyone tells me, oh, like so-and-so is a fan and it's sort of like industry chat or whatever. Yeah. My assumption is I'm like, well, like, I don't know how much truth there is to that, but like, what do you mean by fan? Like they, yeah. they've heard of me or they they're like sitting down listening to my music. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of like, I, I, I err on the side of not getting my hopes up about things like that. So I always just go like, okay, cool. Like, but in my back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, right. So I'd heard that about Willie and I sort of thought that I was like, well, the person who's telling me this, I'm like, uh, I feel like maybe this is more about like you than the truth of that or mm -hmm. something. So I'm like, I, I took it with a grain of salt. And then it sort of escalated with stuff where, you know, we ended up playing this festival together and, and they were like, oh, you know, uh, Willie, Willie's asking for you to come hang on the tour bus. And I was like, oh, and I went back there and he's a genuine fan and was so so cool exceeded my expectations beyond anything i mean he's like was it when he like pulled out a bong <laughs> no i don't think he's smoking anymore i think he's doing edibles because i think he's oh. well no he's definitely still high but okay, i don't think he's, he's like, like smoking during the healthier version yeah i think so edibles make me go in the sunken place uh so that was the last time i was starstruck and then right after that conversation luke wilson walked on the bus and i was like this is getting too weird this i need to get out of here luke wilson is yeah. so hot it's so hot did you oh give him my phone number so hot no but i he did say horrible nice what is the point <laughs> literally what is the point of having a famous friend if you're not gonna I'm sorry do you're not doing any legwork on my behalf honestly i'll do you know, it so selfish you don't think up. about me <laughs> i know it is true it is true i could have done more it is true i'm gonna have to move in with you babe <laughs> if the, you should think about you're welcome this. to i need a roommate <laughs> <laughs> um okay well, just so you know, me and Sarah were talking the other night, our mutual friend Sarah, and we were supposed to go to some party of celebs or whatever. And like, we're just like, man, we're just like so over it. Like, not to be like whatever, but it's like, who cares hours now about like starstruck stuff. But I was like, you know who I'd be really excited to see? David Matthews. Yeah. David Matthews. That's of course the only, you would. That's the, really the only person I would just be I so. Also, I kind of feel happy. like it's attainable, Yossi. I think so too, babe. I think we're, we can get him on this program. <laughs> Get him on the pod, friend of Dave, you know Dave, friend of the Dave, pod, friend, of, friend the pod. of the pod, David Matthews, famous mm -hmm. fellow South <laughs> not African, David, David, not Matthews. David Matthews, that's right, <laughs> fellow South African. True, very true. Also, should have a Pulitzer. Um, okay. <laughs> Anyways, that's more. Did about. he date Taylor Swift? Did I make that up? You absolutely made that up. Uh, one million percent in your mind. Who's the one that did Taylor Smith? John Mayer. Taylor Swift. Taylor Smith. John Mayer. Okay, never mind. They're they're kind of interchangeable a little bit in my brain. 
Speaking of finding husbands, have you ever slid into anyone's DMs? Yeah, of course. Who was it? I think that's like (laughs) one of the only benefits of sort of any form of whatever you want to call it, like famers, like renownedness or totally like it's more acceptable for you to slide into someone's dms because they're they're more than likely to be like oh cool (laughs) well yeah because i think also like they can well either they might already have a context for who you are or they can sort of like quickly gain a context of who you are so you don't you're not just coming off as like a psycho in the dms like it's like more kind of like hey like i think the obvious subtext is kind of like i think you seem cool right or whatever, if that makes sense. That, this is how famous friendships are built. Okay, well, whose who's DMs did you slide into? Was it for friendship? Was it for collab? Oh, yeah. I mean, for co- that stuff, yeah. I, I do it all the time, I think. But I mean, not in like a creepy way. I mean, sometimes it's in a sexy... Like, hey. like How do you, how do you, open, that, how do you open that convo, the sexy DM convo? Like, what's the first line? I usually start with hello. Just, he- Maybe just not hello, just, but like a form of... Absolute psychopathic hello. <laughs> Hello, and then the and then the and then the like shocked emoji face, like, <laughs> <laughs> and then a question mark just on its own. Hello, as a separate message. Yeah. Then next line question mark. <laughs> like no answer. <laughs> no, you know I'll say hey, uh, you know hey, love your art or love your music or whatever it is. Like, hey, love your girl, art. I, I can't give away all my I can't give away all my my secrets. Hello, love but, your art. You know, art. I, I, down to collapse. Yeah, see, shut up. <laughs> no, I I play it cool. I'm usually just like genuine. I'm not trying to be like weird, you know. I'm gonna try this. Hello, hello, <laughs> Maddie Healy. Down to collab? Question. Um, <laughs> Maddie Healy. What's up, says with Maddie Healy? My he's my short king. My short problematic king. <laughs> I love that he likes to insist that he's tall, and he's like, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> Which Has is he been to... kissing everybody? Is that a yeah, thing? I guess so. I don't follow too closely, to be he, honest. He, like, checks their ID in the front row and then kisses them. That seems like I'm glad you're doing the legwork to make sure you're not, you know, breaking the law. But the it law, doesn't right. make it any any less, like, sort of strange to me. <laughs> to just be, like, making out with fans in the front row. Guitar rock music is absolutely on life support. And, like, we need this shit to, like... They're, like, there's, like, four bands left that play guitar rock music that, like, anybody cares about on a big level. Like, they've got to do some craze. Who is it? The 1975. The 1975, the Arctic Monkeys. The Jonas Brothers. <laughs> Not the Jonas Brothers. I mean, they do play guitar music. And I, they seem quite talented at the guitar. Yeah. Not that I know dick about, you know, whatever, chord progressions, but, like, well, neither, they really, seem but... like they're doing the work. They're doing the heavy lifting. Yeah, I think so. I think so. That, I could, I literally could only name them. Imagine Dragons. Like, I don't know, Ben. <laughs> I know. Literally, Oasis came into my mind, and I was like, that's not right. Yeah, they have not existed in 20-something yeah. years. <laughs> but good work on that one. Um, okay. Thank you. <laughs> what is the horniest song of all time, in your opinion? Oh, um, Chris Isaac, Wicked Game. Oh, yeah, dude, that one is good. And also the horniest music video accompanying that song. It is... Is it Helena Christensen? Is that who's... I can't remember exactly. I don't know who the girl is, but yeah, she's a famous model. I can't remember. It's, um... Is it Helena Christensen? Yeah, it was Helena Christensen. I was right. My mind, that is, music a, my video? mind is a wonderland. It's black and white, right? Didn't it, it's like a Herb Ritz style. Yes. I don't know if Herb Ritz did it, but like. Oh, yeah. It it's is. like on the beach. I mean, if I that, know, it's, if you grew so up hot. in that. She's oh, so my hot. God. 
if you were around during that time as a youth and that wasn't part of your sexual awakening, you're either a liar or you just, you never had a sexual awakening because it was impossible. That is like the horniest music video and such a horny song. His voice. Oh, so good. Okay. I'm really going to disappoint you and bum you out. But for me, the horniest song ever is crash into me by David Matthews. (laughs) It's an undeniably horny song. Here's the thing about David Matthews is, that man fucks, okay? You oh, say what you will about him, but he absolutely fucks, and he will never let you forget it. You're upset. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not upset. Listen, I'm not. I'm not here to kink shame. <laughs> I just feel like you. I do believe this is your kink, though. David Matthews is your kink. He's it's so like a, this hot, is like, dude. He's so hot to me. Okay, but it's not. I wouldn't say it's like. <laughs> I wouldn't say this is a. A, 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 a like a universally shared opinion not that he's not hot but that like he's like horny and it's like this like beautiful horniness and like so i think it yeah. might be your kink which i'm here for what it is is my beautiful mind that people are just not on my fucking level bitch that's what it is okay but you so think it's like beautiful mind like as in like like the movie in, beautiful mind where you're like, like you're I'm writing in the, i'm in the room writing on the wall like all the windows Different. are like covered in algorithms and <laughs> yes that's that's correct thank you for and you're like that's you Pulse and meme where you're like looking confused and all the like mathematics is around yes her. yeah that's like literally me all the time that's my beautiful yeah. mind i do love that about you though <laughs> Next question. Um, what's the biggest money you've ever turned down and what was it for? It was kind of recently, actually. I don't know if I'm, I don't oh, know if I should say exactly what it was for. It was a fa- Can you say like in a vague way what it was for? Yeah, it was for? a fashion related thing. Um, like they wanted you to sit at a show or like to be in a campaign or something? It was to do a small performance. Okay. at a fashion thing but it required sort of like obviously to be racism <laughs> no <laughs> it required just a light bit of racism <laughs> and you were like god i'm sorry it's a lot of money but like i i don't do racism <laughs> no it just it involved it involved the, the fashion of the brand the, the and brand. it's uh-huh. it's just like um the fashion is so um how do I say this? Just not for me. Not my style. Right. So much your, so that I was like, there's no amount of money that I could do to wear this and get away with this. Damn. Do you feel like if this opportunity had come three years ago, you would have been able to turn it down? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like it's it's that much not your style that even when you didn't have like the lavish like you know, lifestyle like, that you have now and listen you know i i do stuff like this all the time actually not like i'm some saint but i joke that there might remember in a star is born with gaga where she does hair body face yes i joke that i always have my hair body face moments where like someone's coming to me with like a song or like an offer of some sort and it's like sort of it's sort of a big deal in the sense of like the lexicon of the world and whatever and it's literally sometimes so bad that it would literally be me like like on SNL going like, like, where are you going in them jeans? Like, <laughs> I'm just not prepared to do, honestly, I'm not prepared to do anything that's going to like, that I'm ever going to feel embarrassed about afterwards and in with regards to my career. I can't do it. I just can't. I care too much about like 
my what I do and like I'm too anxious of a person like there's no way I could just be like oh shit yeah whatever I'm just not like that yeah you've worked too hard to build this and actually I really appreciate that about you because I'm gonna um like aforementioned move in with you and live off of you for the rest of my life yeah. so I'm gonna need you to protect the brand babe of course it's for I'm doing it for for us <laughs> it's, for, it's for our future okay what's the best live show you've ever seen I think there's a few for different reasons. One of the best live performances I've ever seen was Rob Zombie. Oh, hell yeah. And it wasn't that long ago. Robert it was probably Zombie. like six Robert Zombie six or seven years ago. I'm actually a huge White Zombie fan. And I also like, like you know, a bit of Rob Zombie. But You can hear it in your music. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. But, um, it was like a circus. Like, it was like, I mean, literally like a circus. It was like people on stilts in like the crazy, you know, he has that crazy artwork from white zombie era. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's sort of in that. It was so cool. It was so theatrical. It was such a performance. I live for that. It was amazing. I was like jaw on the floor. It was so good. I saw him. He was supposed to play with Marilyn Manson when they were doing that co-headline tour. This is like, I think like yeah. six or seven years ago or something. Um, and Marilyn Manson at the last minute, of course, refused to go on stage. <laughs> But then Rob just did like his, the only set and it was, oh my God, it was so good. It was so good. It just hit me that Rob Zombie is one of the only people that I can think of that's gone full Willy Wonka, but it works. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like stilts, top hat, velvet, like whatever is happening. Because there's no whimsy. There's no, no whimsy. No, it's just like horror core. I can't do, I can't do whimsy. I, that's like my kryptonite. I can't do that. But you can do like Tim Burton, which is like basically what's going on there. It's like old Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah. You know, because Tim Burton went a little whimsical. Good, it's a good Tim Burton. Okay. Well, good Tim Burton, what else yeah. besides Rob Zombie? Okay. Well, one and that you'll relate to I, as a fellow Smashing Pumpkins enthusiast. I played with Smashing Pumpkins at a festival. Mm, huge. I'm trying to remember where it was. I think we were in, we we're somewhere on the East Coast, but. Yeah, I feel like you were in like Atlanta or something. I remember you being at, or like somewhere. Yeah, it the, was like Shaky News yeah, yeah. or something like that. And it was so wild because I think now that I've gotten to sort of play with a lot of big artists or people, like I think it was a convergence for the first time of like the realization that I was opening for a band like smashing right. pumpkins which is like its own thing even if i wasn't a fan you're like whoa this yeah. is I'm massive sort of like surreal and wild right and then the convergence of that feeling with the realize of like me being such a like huge fan of smashing pumpkins growing up and how kind of important they were to me when i was especially like quite little um, I think the, the, the meeting of those feelings, it was so wild. Cause I, we were watching me and my band and all of us were just like going crazy. And I remember I was walking back to the bus after to the back, through the backstage. And I was with my drummer, Chris, and I was like laughing hysterically, like full hysterical laughter, just pure happiness. Cause I was like, we just played with smashing pumpkins. Like what the fuck? And I was like laughing. And then I'd be like, <laughs> and then I started like, sobbing uncontrollably and everyone was like are you okay and i was like i'm fine <laughs> and then i'd start laughing again and it went basically between i think something broke in my brain it was just like too it was like overload you know so yeah for i had to sit in the back of the bus for like 20 minutes and compose myself because i was just like laughing and crying hysterically because it was just such a full circle mm. moment for me as an artist and as a person it was just very bizarre so definitely that one's memorable there's so many i mean there's so, so many, but yeah, those are two that come to mind right now. Was Billy Korg's like full Gantalf 
on stage in that one? <laughs> yeah, he was like, I don't know. Yeah, he looked sort of like a like a satanistic priest, sure. like cultist leader with like yeah. a long, yeah. The flowing robes. <laughs> that, that vibes. Definitely like a dress. He brought his kids out on stage or his, his kid, maybe one I kid. Think he has, I think he has several, a couple of kids. Yeah, it was like a whole thing. But. We stand. We stand Billy really Corbin on this on this program. Yeah. Um okay, great answer. Friend of the pod. Answer. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Actually probably probably enemy of the pod if he's ever listened um <laughs> to me talk about Spider-Man's <laughs> plane. And that's okay. That's okay. We're not here to make friends, babe. We're here to win the Pulitzer. Listen. For best podcast. If anyone can understand the dichotomy of being equally loved and hated, it's Billy Corgan. It's Billy Corgan's babe. Yeah. Maybe related to the last answer from the laughing and mm-hmm. crying. When were you the most fucked up, wasted, hammered, trashed off your whole asshole in your whole life? I mean, <laughs> I feel like you've probably seen it because it was probably. definitely the era. I mean, people probably don't know, but you know, we lived together yeah. uh, many years back in Los Angeles, and um, <laughs> I definitely can think of like a photograph stands out to me. Like anyone who anyone in the LA area who knew about or maybe still knows about footsies. Shout out to footsies. Footsies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh and uh, shout out to Overpass, RIP. Oh my God, not shout out. What is the opposite of a shout out? Like block from my memory, men in black wand Overpass remember, away from my mind. Do you remember mind. how much stuff I lost at Overpass? Yes. Do you, know, do you know how much of my soul I lost at Overpass that I'll <laughs> never get back? It is like absolutely yeah. gone. No, I mean, you've you've seen the, you've seen me at, at that moment. It's it's definitely in that era of Los Angeles when we were living together. So just, you know, sometime around that. But that was like the scene. It was like overpass footsies, cha-cha lounge kind of era. My two thoughts are um, twerking on the cemetery <laughs> and um, the chocolate cake incident. And, and for whatever reason, there was like a oh, chocolate yeah, cake. Oh, yeah, in your kitchen. And we got home like so fucking wasted that we decided to like have a cake fight. And there's just pictures of us covered in chocolate cake. Why? It actually sounds really tame and gorgeous compared to like it actually if we is ever get tame like no Gallagher also, you know, on here. <laughs> like someone who's like, I spent 17 days in the chateau doing heroin. <laughs> it actually sounds quite it actually sounds quite like cute and endearing. Because actually I'm thinking yeah. about it, I'm like, we would get like we'd get like drunk and then we'd go to like Del Taco and get carne asada fries and just like go home and like dance around in your living room. It was actually quite cute. Listen, we know we didn't <laughs> ever have to, we didn't have to call the dealer on the seventh day to bring us the speedball at the Chateau. That's yeah, no, no, no. Happens. It was all very, very cute. And there was like, yeah, there was a lot of uh, laughing. <laughs> Lots of laughing. Okay. 24. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. 
To learn more, visit smartfood.com. 24. What was your biggest sliding doors moment? As in, if you had made another choice, then you wouldn't be here right now. Um, God, there's been a couple that I actually get kind of freaked out about sometimes if I get too like existential about it. Mm-hmm. But one for sure in particular was um, I tore my ACL when I was a dancer when I was young. Mm-hmm. And at that time, my I was making music, but my big passion was I wanted to pursue dance and yeah. you know I did ballet. Um, and I, 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 I like I fucked up my knees so badly that it basically ended any possibility of a serious career as a dancer. Wow. And so I think that sort of pivoted me to focus on music a bit more seriously. Yeah. Um, Huge. And then I think my old band that I was very serious about when I was younger, breaking up, that kind of motivated me. Yeah. Forced me to go and do my own thing, which eventually led to me doing what I do now, essentially. So those are two moments for sure that I don't know, like would have been in a completely different world for sure. You guys will never find it, but also briefly me and um, Orville were in a band together. Um, And I was like absolutely Sid viciousing because I cannot to this day play an instrument. And it was like, no, we'll just unplug it. You were doing good. (laughs) <laughs> I, was good. I was starting to I was starting to learn one of the songs half of it after like six to ten weeks of practicing um gorgeous answer what do you love the most about being famous and don't you fucking lie to me that you don't sometimes love no I'll it. tell you the truth I'll tell you the truth the, yeah. my favorite thing about it is being able to get a reservation at a restaurant easily that's like a weird old man ass like New York answer like no, but Love I mean, to like, be able to hit up Keith McNally and get a Balthazar <laughs> table <laughs> whenever I want. <laughs> oh, damn. That was like so hard hitting accurate. Um, You're like, yeah, no, actually. But, like, you know, Keith, babe. I'm not trying to like, you know, you know me. I'm not like going out to like the club or anything. So like <laughs> my idea of like a fun night out is to like go with friends to a good restaurant. And I love to eat. So for me, it's it's wonderful to be able to like sometimes name drop yourself in a way that you're like hey it's um me and you know i have some friends who were hoping to get a table on set it's it's like an hour from now on a saturday night and they'll accommodate no this is like so real honestly and not to like meander into how long gone territory but like getting a fucking table at a restaurant in los angeles it's like how long gone territory that's right babe we're we're like overlapping cringing shout out to how long gone friends of the pod friends of the pod hlg but like you know they love to talk about shit like getting a fucking reservation at the san vicente bungalows or whatever which that is like the most (laughs) toxic podcast in a way because i'm like it's i joke about them all the aspirational it's aspirational when i went on their pod i was like unsure of what i'd never listened to it and i didn't really know what it was and people were trying to describe it to me and i was like i was like okay wait so it's like two straight men uh-huh. <laughs> it's two straight white men talking about Correct. fashion working out working out yeah being, being kind of being being rich like sort of like interior stuff like sort of just like you know entourage lifestyle i was like is this and so that's why i went on and i just dragged them for like an hour an hour long interview and i said to chris recently i was like i was like i was like when are you guys gonna have me back because i'm 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 dying to roast you again because i just think they're so funny that's why it's so fun though it's because they're so funny they like and, it and they like fun it too. to drag yeah yeah they're like those kind of like those kind of we love them friends of the pod shout out yeah. friends of the pod um but yeah 
this is their this is their milieu is talking about restaurant reservations. But like, yeah, man, I'll tell you, getting a fucking table at a restaurant in Los Angeles, it's like you have to like give a blood sample, like put a deposit down, offer up your firstborn. Fully. And you'll then you'll even then you'll show up once you go through all of that and have the reservation. And they're like, they're like, hey, yeah, we're a little busy right now. So you're probably gonna be about 45 minutes. It's like, girl. I made a reservation. <laughs> it's in my calendar. <laughs> you're like, what I thought, yeah, you're like, I thought that was the, the point. But that's just like the first step. So yes, that is helpful when you can just like that's what I'm saying. It's not just like a bougie thing, but it's like traverse the landscape and the minefield that is trying to just go eat at a restaurant in like the city. So what you're saying is I can call and be like, I'm making this reservation for Orville Peck and then I can just take the table. Yeah. hundred percent. I give you, I give you permission and you can just take any, you can just take any man in a cowboy hat because they don't know what my face looks like. So they're just going to assume it's me. Exactly. Yeah. You can, you're, you have, you have my full permission. I will take a man. Once you DM slide into Luke Wilson's DMs. Hello. (laughs) So it's going to be you mark. showing up, you showing up with Luke Wilson wearing a cowboy hat under my yes, reservation. Under your reservation. After I think you Luke DM can get, him. I think Luke can get you, get you his own reservation, frankly. Hello, question mark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you hate the most about being famous? I think for me, and this is like a wow, wow thing, but I think the thing that kind of like hurts me sometimes is maybe like, I think I've, I've found myself in social atmospheres where or social and moments environments where people sort of I think assume something about me like Mm. or like come at me with sort of like a chip on the shoulder attitude or sort of like I'm not going to be impressed by you because of who you are or something where it's like you know anyone who knows me I'm like a very um you know, I have time for everyone. I'm like a friendly person. I'm have no. You're literally the <laughs> most charitable and generous. <laughs> I don't bring any sort of ego into an environment where I'm like think no, I'm. You true. know, it's so true. like I think the assumption that I'm going to be that way hurts my feelings because sometimes I have to, I have to like receive sort of aggression because I think people assume I'm going to be aggressive or something, and it's it's like a very weird right. mindfuck where you're like, well, you're only assuming this. This is your assumption. You know what I mean? Like, anyway. That's their insecurity, though. That's yeah, like insecure sure. people who are like, oh, I better, like, puff my chest so that this, like, famous person doesn't think that I'm trying to, like, be their friend. And it's like, well, just be their, just be normal. Well, and I'm such an insecure, anxious attachment that, like, even when I get treated that way, I'm still, like, doing the legwork to make them feel better. <laughs> so, it's like, okay. so okay. you know, then there's that. But, like, I think that's the thing I don't like about it is, like, I think sometimes there's an assumption, and maybe rightfully so for a lot of celebrities, because I've, I've met a lot of assholes, too. But, um, you know, just putting it out there, I'm a nice person. You don't have to be hard with me because it, it's I'm very sensitive. <laughs> yeah, if you see him at a Los Angeles area restaurant in which he dropped his own name to get the table, <laughs> just go right up and say hello, babe. Frankly, you could probably join me. I'm, I'm I might be there alone. Yeah, come sit Please down. Please come sit down. I do get a lot of questions about this when people find out we're friends. Honestly, often the first question is do, how does he eat? <laughs> oh girl, I get asked this all the time. Well, most times I'm not going I'm like, to a he restaurant. Just ties that shit up, babe. I, I do know. tie it up. I put it, I put them in um, braids often if I have to go to an eating <laughs> thing, which is very helpful. Um, tie it, yeah. But it, I was at something recently as an Oscars thing, and I hadn't thought ahead that it was going to be like food served. 
and the food looked mm-hmm. so good and I love to eat. And so I, I was trying to like <laughs> find creative ways and I kept like putting it in my fringe. I was just like, fuck this. It's just crazy. And then everyone's already looking you at me. Like, you just had like mayonnaise dripping from <laughs> fully. <laughs> like it just starts to become like a full circus. And so, um, you know, it's like, did, like cue, like the curb music underscoring, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, I gave up. I was like, okay, I'm not eating today. It's a good diet plan i didn't get myself <laughs> yeah. one of those masks um right. well you kind of answered it but i, w- I want you to expand on it what's because maybe there's a different answer what's one thing that you wish people understood about you like maybe people get wrong about you or that like they never seem to like understand this part of who you are um that i am trying to cultivate some sort of fake character or um mm. like i don't know like i'm that i'm that i'm somehow not being authentic i think for me yeah like i obviously wear a mask like is orville the name i was born with no but that's most people in this industry you know bob dylan sorry to break Lana. it to you but everybody like you know it's like yossi that is my real name yeah um but like I think that's the thing that sometimes aggravates me is I think, and then it's almost like what we talked about earlier, that there's this sort of like gotcha mentality of a lot of people that like, they're like, Oh, he's, he used to do theater. He's like, it's like, yeah, girl, I talk about all the time. I also grew up playing in punk bands and I've been a performer my whole life since I was 10 years old. I've been doing this forever. Uh, I've worked my ass off. Um, I love music and especially country music with a real genuine passion. And every song I write is completely about my life and something very personal. In fact, and I just, I think sometimes people look at sort of the theatrical and performative element of what I do visually, and they want to write off my sincerity. But the truth is, is like, I write for a lot of pop stars and stuff like that. And it's like, I feel like those people show up with zero authenticity to like a recording session because they don't even they haven't written the lyrics they have no input in the song and totally. like maybe they're not wearing a mask and all this stuff but like they're being pretty insincere and it's like i'm showing yeah. up really trying to just be as authentic and sincere as possible and i think not all the time but i think sometimes people write me off in a way that isn't necessarily um fair i would say first of all people are just so narrow-minded it's it's crazy because you're like Actually, do you remember a man called David Bowie? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, <laughs> like, did anyone like, like, just because there's like an art and a theater to something doesn't negate its authenticity? I mean, we talked about this like early on. Remember when I was like, it makes absolute perfect sense just knowing you and your whole like life story and interests and background. Like this iteration is a hundred percent makes sense to me, and is a hundred percent like the result of all of your like phases and inputs you know and like, newsflash, like, i'm actually very very proud of everything i've accomplished i think people also think they're embarrassing me or catching me out about stuff it's like i'm extremely proud of my when i was an actor when i was a dancer when i my punk background everything i'm really proud of everything i've done because like i said yeah. i worked fucking hard to get all of it so it's like you know i mean i just remembered seeing you your punk background one of the drunkest times um is when we went and got our goofy tattoos because speaking of things that we're proud of forever that are part of our authentic selves you know when we really went into dangerous territory when at some point because we used to get weird and get tattoos there was some point where there was a tattoo gun 
like at your house. Oh my God. Yeah. That was like when it was like code red. Babe. That was like <laughs> absolutely remove this from the home. Yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't safe. That was like, that's right. And now we have goofy tattoo dogs forever. <laughs> and that is part of who we are. It is part of who um, are. next question. What's your therapist's name? Just kidding. <laughs> do you go to therapy? Oh my God. Do you think girl, take a look at me. <laughs> you don't think this needs therapy? You're like five <laughs> times a week. bitch. It's a miracle that I make music that I have time to even go to the studio because of my busy therapy schedule. I do go to therapy. Um, I love therapy. Therapy saved my life a lot of times. Um, and I love my therapist. If he goes on vacation, I genuinely go into crisis because I just like miss talking to him um you're like what about bob you show up on his vacation <laughs> like hey oh my god what are you doing here i sit down with a, with a journal <laughs> um no uh yeah i practice a lot of mindfulness i i'm very uh mental health positive i work on my mental health a lot i have to because i think my mental health would be in the toilet if i didn't um especially traversing kind of a lot of the weird shit I have to, I don't know, see about myself and online or whatever it might be. Like, I think I would lose my mind if I wasn't in therapy for sure. What is one mental health tool that you swear by that you can share with the listeners that they can incorporate into their day-to-day lives? Journaling, hands down, like whatever that means for you, whether it's like, you know, dear diary, today I woke up and had a (laughs) juice or, or it's just like, stream of conscious dear diary today i slid into the dms of someone and i said hello question mark and they didn't answer and it made me feel really bad (laughs) but like whatever style of i think i think writing and clearing your head of sort of narratives and thoughts i think writing stuff down on paper every single day no matter what it is however it turned however it manifests itself i think that's really helpful it's really helpful to me also for me um a tool that's been sort of so helpful because I'm someone who gets in my head a lot. And I kind of, like I said, I'm always on the side of assuming the worst. And especially when it's to do with me or whatever is like to practice what someone once told me was, uh, referred to as, um, uh, positive misinterpretation. So, you know, if there's like a situation Mm. where you're at a crossroads where you're like, I'm not sure about what the meaning is behind this. And I can either, as humans, we often negatively misinterpret where we're like, oh, well, this is because right. of me and because I'm like this and they don't like this or, I, or like, you know, yeah. yeah, like practicing positive misinterpretation where you just kind of delude yourself into going, oh, well, they probably were just, you know, maybe they're maybe their house is on fire and that's why they're not answering the phone. Like, <laughs> just like delude yourself and just detached from the idea that it's about you. You know, that's kind of a joke yeah. example, but I mean, like, detach from the idea that it has anything to do with you. And that can, after you start practicing that, it can be really freeing of, well, I found it really freeing of anxiety and sort of like ruminating yeah, no, about that. what's the meaning behind things. Positive reinterpretation. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Fucking, I'm going to start doing that. Be one of those people that's uh, like, oh, it's not about me. Doesn't that sound nice? It's my dream. You know how you meet those people? I think they're called narcissists. But like, <laughs> you just want like, you just want like ten percent of what they have, yeah. so that you're still normal and like, and and like a good person. But you are not like constantly like, are they mad at me? They're mad at me. What did I do? They're mad at me. Well, I think also like I think we grew up in like sort of like a time period of a scene where being like a jaded 
sort of like negative curmudgeon person was kind of like cool sure, for sure. <laughs> and i cool. think it like lended itself to all of our insecurities and traumas because we were already leaning that way and now i'm like oh my god i want to just undo all of that and become and be this more positive gentle person mm-hmm. with myself because it didn't do me any favors really in the long term. Unlike your 23 year old ass, I'm very open about my age because I like it when people <laughs> me too. I'm look like at me. Open about my age. I love it when they're like, no, you're not 40. And I'm like, oh, yes, I am. Babe. It That's does, a compliment though. Yeah, because I, every, you think I work hard on these podcasts, babe? No, 80% of all of my time, money, and energy is spent on being hot. <laughs> it is a full fucking time job. Do you know who Barbara Sternum is? Yes, babe. Dr. Barbara Sturm. She's German. Okay. The skin is that Sturm? Sturm. What did I say? Sturm. I said sternum. Sternum. Yeah, that's a part of your I don't body. know what it is, but you know what I'm talking about. Dr. Barbara Strum. Strum. Something like that. They brought me in, invited me for a full facial, and it was very, it was really nice. I think if you haven't been, you should go. I think you'd you like You don't it. even need it, bitch. You wear a mask. You should have gifted it to me. I'm that's why I do need it. Do you know what this, can you imagine what this looks like under yeah, here? Yeah, it's true. It's probably some clogged pores, babe. <laughs> are we, how often are we cleaning the mask? Do we like a little spray alcohol? Like, what's the deal? Yeah, they, they clean them. <laughs> they clean them. Okay, next question. Wild card. Speaking of the mask. Does the mask stay on during sex? Uh, not typically, but only once that I can think of, but it was sort of like a request. (laughs) Hell yeah. No further questions (laughs) on that one. Um, when was the last time you cried? Uh, I mean, not yet today, but that's a miracle. (laughs) You're like, "Mm, 12 hours ago, (laughs) myself to sleep last night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's pretty much every day, but not in like a, depressing way like in a lot in a kind of like a, I have like a lot of I do a lot of like cathartic I feel like every day at 4 p.m yeah, I put on fast car I stare out the window and I cry <laughs> so 4 p.m literally 4 PM. drag me <laughs> um what is your biggest regret um I mean it's not really a regret there is literally only one that I can think of but it's not a regret because I think it wouldn't have made me who I am now but not finding my own like my own self-confidence and like not believing in myself earlier um but that being said i think that really shaped who i am now having gone through that but i you know like i was so down on myself as a kid and like just believed so much of what other people were sort of putting on me um and i wish i had found my own sort of like light and power earlier but i also think i'm at where i'm at now and i'm the kind of sensitive person i am now because I didn't, I went through that. So it's not really a regret, but I'd say that. Okay. Non-answer. I'll take it. You've done well so far. (laughs) How do you want to die? I think it should either be totally non-eventful, like in your, in my sleep, or it should be like front page news, something weird. Right. Like princess Diana, like pushed off the road by paparazzi, (laughs) like drama. Right. Or like, you know, or something like something like, yeah, like, Trampled by elephant in like like something really in South ridiculous, Africa. right? Really in my it, home, in my home, full circle. Yeah. <laughs> Choked on no, the it should be like while trying to eat a burger at an Oscars party. Fully and like you know trying to be resuscitated <laughs> by Cate Blanchett. Like I want drama. Like <laughs> fast car was playing in the background. Tracy um, Jabin literally was playing in the background, <laughs> <laughs> like on the piano. <laughs> 
<laughs> Autoerotic asphyxiation during sex is the max. That would be a page six slapper. Okay. Um, what do you think about me? What do I think about you? <laughs> this is more of a question for people who don't know me, so but go ahead. Well, I think you are in the, how many years have I known you now? Like fifteen? Yeah, about fifteen. In the all of, in the time I've known you, I've seen you do so many different things and ventures, and you've always been so passionate about music and passionate about what you love and so eager to always talk and learn and like I think what you're doing now makes so much sense to me and why you're excelling at it so well because you've always been that person because you've always been such a fan of music and so learned about it and so passionate about it uh and so I when I think of you I think of that and I think of someone who works really really hard and someone who's very very uh kind and funny I'm, I'm crying okay but am I better than Zane Lowe? <laughs> yeah, because Zane Lowe doesn't call me for interviews anymore. That's so, name, yeah, Zane Ho, bitch, she's Zane, here. Zane Who, watch out. The Zane only Zane Ho. I know is. <laughs> I was trying to make a joke where I was going to say the Zane from um, what's Harry Styles' band, old band. Oh sure, Zane. Wait, is, is his name also Zane Lowe? No, it's not. What is his That's name? What I'm Zane saying. Malik. Zane Malik. It's Zane Malik. Isn't Zane Malik the guy that was in the Queen movie though? No, that that man's name is not even Zane at all. The one, the Freddie Mercury. Yeah, why Mr. Did I think, Robot. Yeah, no. What's that guy's name? No clue. Actually, it's absolutely escaping my whole mind right now. If he was standing in front of me, I'd be like, "Hello, sir," but I couldn't. Well, tell so you. if you loved that joke, um, please come to my stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all week, babe. No, you're good at a yeah. lot of things, but honestly, like maybe comedy is like one that you should put on put on the side. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think I'm very funny. I just didn't have all my ducks in the row on that one. That was still that was like out of town, out of town um, testing on that one. So we're gonna cut that from the set. But yeah. okay, last question: What do you want to plug? What do I have coming up? I've, well, I, I put in an album called Broncos. If you haven't heard Bronco uh thanks very much for not being a fan and i hope you can become one <laughs> if you haven't uh, heard bronco fuck you bitch if you haven't heard bronco yet go fuck yourself but please <laughs> please listen to it um i'm on a on a uh, country music singing competition called my kind of country it's me mickey guyton and jimmy allen um and it's a beautifully shot documentary style competition show it's not like you know the other ones you know uh and that is um premiering march this month and yeah I'm doing like a lot of TV stuff coming up. But She's on the telly, I don't know. babe. She's Go to my telly. Instagram or my website or something. I can't remember what, I'm, what I have to plug, but there's stuff going on. She's busy. I'm booked. Thank you, Orville, for spending this Thank time you, with me. Thank you, my darling. 24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-24-